Could the Zags go undefeated from now until March Madness? What would that mean for St. Mary's and who is leaving after the season is over that and more as we discuss listener submitted hot takes today. Don't go away. You are locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. All right, folks, we are doing our Andy Locks listener-submitted hot take segment here uh, to open up the show. Then we're talking about a new graduate assistant at the University of Arizona, a former Zag following Tommy Lloyd uh, to Arizona. And then we're going to close out the show talking about Rui Hachimura and the trade rumors surrounding him as the Washington Wizards in the midst of another disappointing season look to move on from Rui. So we got a lot to cover today. Uh, A reminder about Andy Locks for those who are listening to it for the first time. It is a play off of Goldilocks. It is a listener submitted suggestion for a segment. Uh, Shout out to Christian who suggested this segment uh, well over a year ago. We've been doing it periodically since then. You can submit hot takes to me. You can submit them on Twitter. You can submit them via email, andypatton013 at gmail.com. I will grade your hot takes too hot, too cold, or just lock, just right, excuse me, hence the Goldilocks uh, nickname for the event. So we got ourselves a handful of hot takes to get through here today. This first one comes from Twitter user at Drew Timmy Stash on Twitter, who says the Zags go undefeated until March Madness. Yeah, this is the big question for Gonzaga right now is discussed uh, on Wednesday's episode of Locked on Zags. It's being discussed by a lot of national media members. It was discussed uh, on a segment of KREM's news station by between myself and Travis Green just recently. Uh, can the Zags get a number one seed in March? And ultimately, the, the answer is yes. There is still a path for Gonzaga to eventually finish the season with one of the top four seeds or one of the one of the four number one seeds, I should say, uh, in the NCAA tournament. And that did not look like a reality, uh, certainly after Gonzaga uh, got beat quite badly by Texas. uh, And then after they lost to Purdue, after the loss to Baylor, we're looking at a three loss Gonzaga team in mid-December. We knew that their, their schedule was much more difficult than it's been historically. And certainly that should help them in the eyes of the committee. But I don't think there was a lot of expectation at that time that, hey, Gonzaga is still going to be in the conversation for a number one seed. I remember uh, people suggesting, could they be as low as a six seed? Are they going to even be a top five seed? Uh, and, And that was a bit reactionary. And certainly we have seen some of Gonzaga's wins age really well in the sense of beating Alabama in Birmingham looks like a really really nice win, the kind of win that gives you a whole extra boost on the seed line come come March Madness. They have a win over Xavier that has seemed to age exceptionally well, as Xavier looks like one of the better teams in the Big East, although they just fell very recently, so that has hurt a little bit. Um, Regardless, a long-winded way to get back to the question. For Gonzaga to be a number one seed, there is no margin of error. They have to win every game from here on out. That is definitely possible. It is possible for Gonzaga to go into the NCAA tournament with a 28-3 and record. Standing 
in between Gonzaga right now and Gonzaga with a 28 and three record is St. Mary's and St. Mary's is standing in front of them at least twice, potentially a third time, depending on how the seeding shakes out in the WCC tournament. Although considering the WCC gives the number one and the number two seed a two game by, it seems pretty likely that Gonzaga and St. Mary's will face each other for a third time in Las Vegas. It's really hard to beat Randy Bennett three times in a year. Even in Randy's worst seasons and St. Mary's' down years over the last decade, it has been hard for Gonzaga to beat that team three years in a row. This year's team, not a down year. This is a very, very good St. Mary's team. Uh, Top 10, top 15 by most of the analytical models. Yes, they are not getting that respect from the AP poll, I think. They probably don't deserve to be ranked inside the top 10 or the top 15 in the AP poll, but they probably do deserve to at least be ranked. I think that they're a team that should be in the 20s. Uh, they have a bad loss to the University of Washington. They have a, a not very good loss to Colorado State. Uh, don't have a ton of monster wins, so I can understand why their resume is maybe a little bit difficult for the committee to determine what they want to do with them. Uh, but at the end of the day, they have two more chances at Gonzaga, at least uh, they got one on their home court in Moraga, California. That's going to be really, really tough. I think the Zags can go undefeated. I think that it is definitely possible. They've played some of their toughest games already. They got through them, albeit barely, but they did get through them. Uh, but St. Mary's is a, is a different breed from anybody else. They've played in the WCC. That's going to be a tough matchup. Sticking with the St. Mary's theme, this next hot take submitted by user Twitter user Havila Benjamin, who says St. Mary's will get swept by Gonzaga, including the WCC championship game, but will win every other game, and they will be one of the first four teams left out of the tournament, despite being top 20 in Ken Palm and net. Yeah, I think this is a little bit too hot. Uh, I definitely think Gonzaga could, sw- could sweep St. Mary's. I'm not going to dis. I'm not going to push back on that part of it. I'm not sure that they will. I think if I was betting or guessing, I think Gonzaga is going to lose at least one of those games to St. Mary's. But if they do, if they do beat, if if Gonzaga does beat St. Mary's in all three of those games uh, and St. Mary's wins every other game, I do agree that they will be a top 20 team in Ken Palm, probably a top 20 team in net. But I think we've evolved past the point where the selection Sunday committee wouldn't completely ignore St. Mary's. I think St. Mary's in that situation would probably still get a lower seed than they should. They would probably end up on the 8-9 line, which is just a death sentence for teams like that, unfortunately. Uh, you Maybe you win your first game and then you got to face you know, Purdue or Kansas or Alabama or somebody like that in the, in your second game. And it's just becomes a lot more difficult to advance even into the sweet 16 as an eight or a nine seed. So I think that's more likely, but I would be pretty surprised if a St. Mary's team that ha- doesn't lose between now and the end of the year, except to Gonzaga, if they beat BYU, if they beat San Francisco, if they beat Santa Clara, win every game that they need to win and continue to win them by significant margins, which is what they have done so far. Part of the reason that they are so hard, highly regarded at Ken Palm is because they are not just winning close, narrow games. They are blowing teams out in the WCC, and that is making them look really good. If they continue to do that, I'd be pretty surprised if the committee left them out of March Madness entirely. But we know that the committee has sometimes shafted mid-major programs in the past, so it's not entirely outside of the realm of possibilities here. Next take here, another one from Twitter user Havilla Benjamin. He says, Malachi Smith will score the third most points for the Zags in their tournament games. Yeah, I I mean, I think this is just right. I think 
predicting scoring in NCAA tournament games is kind of a crapshoot. You'll see guys step up in significant ways. We've seen players win WCC tournament MVPs who were, you know, Gonzaga's third, fourth, fifth leading scorer at times just because it's a small sample size. And in the NCAA tournament, same kind of situation. It's a bit of a small sample size. Uh, There's a lot of love for Malachi Smith right now, and I think there's uh, maybe – some selective memory regarding the fact that he's not super consistent all the time. And he showed up in a huge way in that Portland game. And that was fantastic. Uh, And certainly there is some criticism levied against Gonzaga's starting guards for their lack of consistency and Rasir Bolton, who has been more inconsistent this year than he was last year by a a hefty margin. And Julian Strother, who's expected to kind of step into the role as the consistent number two scorer for the Zags. And he hasn't always been that guy. And since Malachi Smith is kind of the one who recently had the really good game, I think he's getting a lot of attention right now, but he hasn't been super consistent either. And I think that that's an important thing for, for Gonzaga fans to remember. It's not like Malachi has been scoring 15 to 20 points every single game off the bench while Bolton goes from 20 to eight to nine to 16 or whatever. Like there's been a lot of inconsistency for basically everybody on this Gonzaga team outside of Drew Timmy. Does that mean I don't think Malachi can lead this team in scoring in the tournament? No, I he absolutely. He could. I mean, the, the prediction here is third most points, which just means behind Timmy, likely behind Strother. I think that's absolutely possible. I think it's absolutely possible. But I think that Gonzaga still he's still not viewed as the third scoring option for this team. He's behind Rasir Bolton in that regard. Uh, and, and I think maybe he's fourth. It kind of depends on on whether Nolan Hickman's having a, a game where he's more likely to attack the rim or more of a facilitator distributor role but I, I think Malachi Smith can be that guy but I think it's important to remember that he hasn't been super consistent throughout his Gonzaga career yet either final question here our final take I should say here before we get into the second segment is from Twitter user dad risk they say either Strother or Timmy will be in a Gonzaga uniform next season yeah I think this is just right borderline too hot but quite honestly I don't think either player is going to be back I've said this on this podcast before, but it is worth reiterating for Drew Timmy. Yes, he does have another year of eligibility. However, the way that the NCAA rules and the NBA rules are currently set up, if he were to declare for the NBA draft, which you can do while still returning to school if you don't hire an agent or if you hire an NCAA-approved agent, that is currently within the rules, and that is what Drew Timmy has done twice now. However, You are not allowed to declare for the NBA draft a third time unless you are committed to leaving school. This is what happened to Andrew Nempard. Andrew Nempard declared for the NBA draft last year. Instantly, he did not have any more eligibility to return to Gonzaga. I think Drew Timmy is going to consider both options, and I think he's going to consider them pretty strongly. However, I have a hard time imagining Drew Timmy being willing to not even explore the NBA draft, not even go through that process just seems difficult to me. I think he's going to want to go through that process and it sucks because going through that process eliminates his ability to return to school. But I do think that that's something he's likely to do. As for Strother, he's probably looking at a team that just added South Korean forward Yoon Sok Jo, uh, a team that just added uh, Dusty Stromer is coming in for 2023. Alex Tui plays a similar position uh, to Strother coming in in 2023. I'm not saying he's feeling threatened or anything like that, but I think he I think the expectation is that Gonzaga is moving forward as if he's not going to be on the roster next year because the expectation is that he's going to go into the NBA. He's been mocked in the late first round for many, many weeks. We've seen him slip a little bit because of those inconsistency issues, but he's still being mocked in the early second round. I think he's pretty likely to be gone. It wouldn't stun me, especially if his season doesn't get dramatically better from here on out. It wouldn't stun me if he came back. Uh, but I think right now I'm thinking it's it's a 
significantly greater than 50% chance that he is going to be in the NBA next season rather than back in Spokane. Well, a Gonzaga legend just joined Tommy Lloyd's staff as a graduate assistant at Arizona. We're going to talk about what that means for Tommy Lloyd and what it means for Mark Few. But before we do that, a word from today's sponsor, Bet Online. College basketball and the NBA are fully back in action, while the NFL playoffs are just now getting underway. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Eddie Patton, still Locked On Zags. And I want to thank you all for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, make sure to check out the brand new Locked On College Basketball podcast. It's everything you need to know about college basketball in one convenient place. You can hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Well, folks, the big fella himself Shemek Karnowski, the winningest player in college basketball history, the catalyst who helped lead the Zags to a national championship appearance, the first in school history during that 2016-2017 season. Shem is back in the States. He is now officially working as a graduate assistant at the University of Arizona, working with Tommy Lloyd and the basketball team there uh, in the Wildcats. Uh, this was announced on Wednesday. Brand new information. That was his first day working with the team. Uh, so this kind of came out of nowhere, not something that I was anticipating. Uh, certainly, uh, Shem, very, very iconic Zag in, in so many ways, uh, a player that I don't think you can tell the history of Gonzaga without talking about Shemek Karnowski. Uh, you know, a guy who was there for five years, obviously he missed a huge chunk of what was his, his first pass at a senior year because of that back injury, lost a whole bunch of weight returned, came back for that super senior year, of course, again, helped lead Gonzaga to that national championship game alongside Jonathan Williams, alongside Zach Collins, alongside Killian Tilly, and what was a really elite front court for the Bulldogs. Uh, Shem, after his Gonzaga career ended, he, his, his professional career just never really took off, uh, unfortunately, because he played the traditional big man role in an era where the traditional big man wasn't particularly valued in the modern NBA. Uh, he also dealt with some significant injuries, which unfortunately kind of curtailed, I should say, his ability to stick as a professional basketball player. After he left Gonzaga, he ended up signing a contract with Andorra in Spain, uh, one of the top teams in one of the top leagues uh, in Europe. Uh, he played uh, 13 games with Andorra in this 2017-2018 season, averaged about seven and a half points per game. They ended up playing 10 more games for another team in Spain, averaged just two and a half points there. So didn't really carve out a significant role as a professional player at that top level in Spain. Ended up heading home as we see so many international uh, Gonzaga players come over to Spokane. Regardless of their success level, many times they end up back at home. Uh, we saw that for Shemek Karnowski. Played eight games in Poland uh, in the 2018-2019 season. Averaged six and a half points and three rebounds per game. And then he suffered an injury. And he was out for a really long time. 
multiple seasons that Shem was not on the basketball court. Again, that happened in 2018, 2019. We did not see him resurface in actual gameplay until the 2021, 2022 season. So he was out for basically two entire years. Wasn't clear if he was ever actually going to return and get back onto the basketball court. We started to see some posts of him on Instagram ramping up and kind of getting back into game shape. It was really nice to see him make that return, even if it only lasted five games. Five games uh, in Poland again during that 21-22 season, average 5.8 points per game. And that was it. That was the end. I, I don't know uh, as of this conversation whether that meant there was a uh, – Another injury suffered, and that ended up causing him to hang it up, whether he just decided it was time, whatever the situation may be. But now he's back. He's back. He's not uh, not at Gonzaga, but he's back at Arizona hanging out with Tommy Lloyd, and he's another Zag. Another Zag joining what is uh, was at first facetiously and now more seriously called Gonzaga South uh, at the University of Arizona. Of course, Tommy Lloyd being the, the catalyst for those moves uh, as the new head coach for the Wildcats. Uh, Rem Bakamis, of course, a, a close friend of Shem's during their time together in Spokane. Uh, Rem Bakamis is the director of player personnel. Uh, he left Gonzaga and ended up working at Baylor for a while, was with Baylor during the 21 season when Baylor beat Gonzaga for the national championship. Now Bacchamus is at Arizona as the director of player personnel. Of course, Umar Balo is starting at center for the Gonzaga, or excuse me, for the Arizona Wildcats. He was a transfer out of Gonzaga. He, a player that Tommy had recruited uh, as an international player. And of course, decided to follow Tommy to Arizona. No false, no blame there. And he's having a really, really nice season for the Wildcats. And then Matthew Lang. Matthew Lang, a preferred walk-on for the Zags, a guy who often hit that final three to give Gonzaga uh, tacos uh, at the, in the student section in the kennel. Uh, you know, not 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 a player that was dramatically felt as a loss in terms of production on the court, but uh, the kind of guy that that Gonzaga has cultivated a lot of players like that, and, and Rem being among them. And so, uh, Lang going over to Arizona to work with Rem to work back with Tommy now to get a work chance to work with Shem and kind of just get get a chance to to be a bench player on a different team, a different organization. And 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 Shem's going to be a huge addition. I, I think he. he the, the language around him, the conversation around him is that he's always kind of had this coach speak. He's always been somebody who's interested in the game, who studies the game, who wants to, to work in that area, who wants to work with students, work with athletes, work with basketball players and kind of help them hone their craft. And, and what better player in the recent college basketball to work with Umar Balo, who is not an outside shooter, who's not, you know, who's a back to the basket, low post, dominate you with my physicality type player like that. That's who Umar Balo is. Nobody's trying to change him into another player. Nobody's trying to make him into somebody who's not. So let's bring in a guy who is that, who, you know, Shem was not an outside shooter. He hit that hilarious three pointer against the university of Portland. One of my favorite shots in Gonzaga history is he thought the shot clock was about to expire, but not an outside shooter. But his ability to withstand contract, contact, to finish through contact, get to the free throw line, uh, to use his body defensively without committing a bunch of fouls, like all these skills that Shem had are going to be really valuable for Umar Balo. Having said that, some people in the fan base not particularly thrilled to see Shemek Karnowski go to Arizona. Frankly, some people in the Arizona fan base not particularly thrilled to see Tommy continuing to hire Gonzaga people. Those people are wrong. Uh, they, this is a fantastic hire for Gonzaga. So was Rem um, bringing in Umar Balo. I can't imagine any Gonzaga or any Arizona fans are upset about that. Um, but for Gonzaga fans, like I don't think that this is significant. Uh, some people could say, "Oh, like why are all former players wanting to go hang out with Tommy instead of hang out with Mark?" Well. 
I, Mark Few brought in J.P. Batista and Zach Norvell. Both those players are on the bench. Killian Tilly uh, recently returned to France to continue working out, but he has spent uh, a huge part of the last couple of months hanging out in Spokane, working out at Gonzaga, talking to recruits, doing stuff like that. We just saw the game. Granted, it was in it was in Provo, it was in Utah, but Jalen Suggs was in the house. Kelly Olynyk was in the house. Like Mark Few's relationship with his former players is fine, guys. It's fine. It's very clearly fine. Former players also liking Tommy Lloyd. Guess what? That's fine, too. It's fine, too. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I get that Gonzaga and Arizona are in some ways rivals. I get that they are competing for that number one seed in the West uh, alongside UCLA, alongside a couple of other teams as well. And I get that them adding talented players to their coaching staff, adding talented players directly from Gonzaga in the case of Umar Balo. I, I understand why people are maybe a little rankled by that, but I don't think it, it says anything significant about any concerns that that people should have about Gonzaga or Mark Few because they're they're bringing in former players, they're having those conversations as well. Zach Norvell is a huge help for guys like Malachi Smith, guys like Hunter Salas, guys like Nolan Hickman, JP Bautista, huge help for guys like Ben Gregg, guys like Efton Reed. So Gonzaga has those guys. Arizona has those guys too. The fact that they're all a lot of former Gonzaga guys just tells you how much players coming through Gonzaga respect the coaching industry want to get into that field and how close they feel with their coaches. That is an objectively good thing. It is a, a sure. I can understand the difficulty of seeing Shem wearing uh, Arizona colors, seeing Rem wearing Arizona colors, hell seeing Tommy wearing Arizona colors. Isn't all that fun, but it's a part of the industry and it just shows how successful Gonzaga has been that they can have GAs and coaches at two different prominent programs on the West coast. And they're all qualified to do those jobs. Well, Rui Hachimura is officially on the trading block for the Washington Wizards. We look at some potential landing spots for the forward. Uh, but before we get there, today's episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by Bill Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you have got to try a Bill Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier but you don't want to compensate taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Bill Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious that you won't think they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars now at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs at your local Walmart or Sam's Club today. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. And instead of talking about current Gonzaga players or GAs and the Arizona uh, program, we are going to finish out the show talking about a Zag in the NBA. We're talking specifically about Washington Wizards forward Rui Hachimura right now. The recent report coming out of Washington is that Rui is available via trade. The Wizards, again, not having a successful year. We've seen Washington seem to load up on similar type players. They have a lot of three, four hybrid players. Uh, Denny Avdija is one of them. Corey Kispert, of course, is another one. 
Rui Hachimura is another one. Chris Japs Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma. Too many guys all playing the same positions is a little bit baffling to see why some of the decisions that Washington has made in the last two years in terms of player acquisition has created this, this log jam, this situation where they have too many mouths to feed. They have too many guys who need the ball in their hands to score. They have too many guys who play the same positions, too many guys who don't play particularly well on the defensive end of the floor. And it has created a quite frankly, messy situation for the, for the team in DC. And, and you're starting to see them figure out, Hey, we need to, we need to start making some moves. The thought process was that they were going to trade Kyle Kuzma, who's a more valuable trade chip in terms of what they would get in return. Similar situation with Chris Stapps Porzingis. Instead, because Rui is heading out towards free agency, that is the player that they are looking to deal. Uh, he has a qualifying offer that can be picked up ahead of the 23-24 season. It, I've seen figures estimating somewhere between seven and a half and eight and a half million dollars on that. Uh, if he is offered that qualifying offer, he then becomes a restricted free agent after this season, which means that teams uh, are still able to sign him, but they have to sign him to a certain deal. And it also means that the team that acquires him at the trade deadline, or if he's still in Washington, would then have an ability to match said contract. Rui's currently averaging 14 points per game on about 48% shooting. He is an elite mid-range player, and he's getting kind of criticism in the media for, oh, he, he has been a bust. He hasn't panned out. Uh, Washington is is barely using him anymore. And, and I can understand some of that argument. I don't think that he has been a bust. I think that Washington hasn't utilized him correctly and hasn't utilized him enough. I mean, you see a guy average 14, 14 points per game on above average field goal percentage, like, that's not bad. He, he's not a great defensive player. He's not a great passer. Like there are some limitations to what he can do uh, as an NBA player, but there, there is a legitimate mid range scorer here, a guy who can help just about every team in the NBA and certain teams who, who have more of a need for a, a scoring punch, a guy who plays 20 minutes a night and legitimately, you know, puts the ball in the hoop and, and gives you points on a regular basis. And he's not really filling that role in Washington, but there are some other teams that could absolutely need that. I want to go through a few of them real quick and kind of discuss what those possibilities may end up looking like uh, for Rui and the Bulldogs or for Rui and the Wizards, I should say. The number one team here is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Phoenix is one of the worst scoring teams in the NBA. The past two weeks, they've ranked near the absolute bottom in the NBA in points per hundred possessions. Cam Johnson, has been hurt. He's their other six foot eight forward, kind of plays more of a traditional scoring power forward role. He's been out, out. He is coming back, so that kind of lessens the need for Rui a little bit. But right now, the backup power forwards in Phoenix, Tori Craig and Dario Saric, just pretty replaceable guys. Rui's better than those guys. He could play some some legitimate rotation minutes for a good Phoenix team and help them in their biggest area of need, which is just putting the ball through the hoop. Next up, Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Charlotte Hornets desperately need to replace Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges, of course, out uh, after a domestic violence situation that has kept him out for the uh, season and hopefully keep him out of the NBA, quite honestly, forever. Uh, I don't know if that'll be the case, but uh, he does not deserve to continue to play basketball. Uh, it does create a, a situation of need for Charlotte. They have LaMelo Ball as a scorer, and that is about it for the Hornets. Not a lot of other scoring on that team. Terry Rozier is their next best scorer. He is also playing the guard position. Right now, the backup three, four players for Charlotte are JT Thor and Cody Martin. Just not not good enough. Not good enough players right now. Rui would immediately bump both those positions, give Charlotte a secondary scorer, a guy who can go find his own shot. Not necessarily a good passer or distributor, but a guy who, who can put the ball through the hoop, which is what Charlotte really needs right now. Uh, next up, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Pacers, another rebuilding team. They have a whole bunch of guards and really, really struggle in the front court. Uh, they were starting Aaron Nesmith at the power forward position for a while. He's 6'5", which is like 
kind of a, a barely below or barely average starting shooting guard in the NBA. And he was playing power forward uh, for the Pacers. Uh, Jalen Smith's the other guy they've been playing over there. He's just not particularly good. O'Shea Brissett's off the bench. He's fine, but Rui's better than the options they have at those spots. He'd probably start for Indiana and kind of allow them to, to, to play their guards at more traditional guard positions. Buddy Heald plays a guard position, Ben Matherin, Chris Duarte. Of course, they have Tyrese Halbert and Andrew Nembhard. And I think the other thing about adding Rui into this mix, especially if they can keep him long-term, is he's kind of – he's 24. He fits the age dynamic of where they're at right now. Nembhard, you know, similar age. Uh, ben Matherin and Chris Duarte are both around 24 years old as well. Tyrese Halbert is pretty young. So I think Rui would kind of come in and, and – join this core in Indiana as they continue to kind of look towards the future and potentially putting a team together that could be competitive uh, in the short term. Next up, the Utah Jazz. Utah is reportedly interested in Rui Hachimura. That is one of the few teams that has actually shown interest publicly uh, in acquiring Rui. Uh, the Kelly Linick is out right now. That's part of the reason that they have a need right there. Walker Kessler starting at the center, a true rookie, although a very good rookie uh, for the Jazz. Uh, Lori Markinen looks like a legitimate all-star at the starting power forward position. Uh, but after that, the depth really kind of falls off, especially, like I said, with Olenek out. Jared Vanderbilt, Rudy Gay are the the – Three, four kind of backup options right now. Pretty replaceable guys. Adding a guy who can score 14 points per game, even in a bit role like Rui, is a really nice benefit for the Utah Jazz to happen. And then the last two teams I want to talk about real quickly, Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Lakers don't necessarily need a bunch more scoring, uh, but their depth at every position is pretty bad. Uh, Justin Toscano-Anderson is the starting power forward when Anthony Davis is out. Wenyan Gabriel is playing significant minutes uh, when, when they're having some injury issues in the front court. And I just think Rui would be a better addition there. Again, maybe not a great fit alongside LeBron, but but maybe it could work. And certainly for, for the Lakers, it's worth to finding any way to add some young talent into a program that desperately needs it. And then I wanted to mention my Blazers because I got some p- posts on Twitter about like, oh, should the Blazers acquire Rui? I'm not sure it's a great fit. They need more help defensively than they do offensively. They just got Nasir Little back from injury. He's a 6'8 guy who, who's – uh, a decent score, but also a, a good defensive player. They need to start finding some minutes for him. So I'm just not sure with Jeremy Grant playing at an all-star level uh, that, that that's necessarily a big need for Portland. Would I love it? Oh, absolutely. I would love it. I've been missing Gonzaga uh, having a player playing for the Portland Trailblazers since Zach Collins left, but I'm not sure I see an obvious fit there uh, for Rui in, in Portland. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Uh, we're returning on Friday with, of course, a recap of Gonzaga's game against LMU on Thursday evening. Of course, plenty of fun stuff coming your way next week as well. Don't forget to check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast if you haven't done so yet. Myself, co-host Isaac Shade, giving you all the news about College Hoop five times per week, available wherever you get podcasts and available on YouTube as well. I want to thank all of you for listening, and go Zags.